Welcome to today's podcast entitled New York City Takes on Cyber Threats for Citizens. Ransomware attacks have been on the rise for the last three years, particularly against public entities like hospitals, school districts, and state and local governments. Cyber events in Atlanta, Baltimore, Dallas, Denver, and elsewhere have demonstrated the vulnerabilities our cities face from emerging cyber threats. Recently, Atlanta's computer systems were hit by ransomware that proved to be one of the biggest cyber attacks against a major U.S. city. Cities are starting to respond, including the city of New York, which has launched NYC Secure, a cybersecurity initiative to protect New Yorkers from malicious cyber activity, including when they access the NYC public Wi-Fi. The mobile app will be available this summer. In this podcast, Rain's founder David Lawrence sits down with Jeff Brown, Chief Information Security Officer for the City of New York, a position with cybersecurity and information risk purview across over 100 NYC departments and agencies. Jeff leads the New York City Cyber Command, which sets information security policy and standards, provides cyber defense and incident response, and issues guidance on cyber defense and information risk to the mayor and other city agencies. Prior to joining city government, Jeff worked in financial services, developing and operating threat management disciplines, including threat intelligence, detection, response, and countermeasures. Jeff also served in the federal government, including work with the 9-11 Commission, supporting the investigation's work with the first responder community in New York City. I'll now turn it over to Rain's founder, David Lawrence. David? Greg, thanks. Jeff, it's a particular honor to speak with you, and uh, in advance, thank you, thank you for your service. Um, what I'd like to do um, before we get into uh, NYC Secure, which is an extraordinarily innovative program, uh, maybe you can give people an overview of the cybersecurity and cyber threat landscape that New York and New York City citizens face, and basically how the city begins to think about unpacking the issue and the responses that are necessary. I appreciate being here. When you think about the mission of New York City Cyber Command, an entity that uh, Mayor de Blasio signed into being uh, last summer, the mission is both an enterprise focus as well as now a, a public focus. Uh, like any large you know, uh, cybersecurity program, we think every day about the protection of the technologies um, that enable great services to be provided uh, on behalf of New Yorkers. These are the great agencies that have you know, um, like first, uh, first name recognition um, to, to people here in our city, but really across the globe. You, know, you think about our great uh, law enforcement, the NYPD, the FDNY, our EMS capability. You think about our sanitation department, our, um, our, our water utility, Department of Environmental Protection, um, uh, the finance sector, the Department of Finance. Like New York City across those 100 agencies has almost every single type of quote-unquote business provider you can imagine. So first and foremost, like New York City Cyber Command has a responsibility, a duty, and accountability to protect those enterprise environments. Um, but really, uh, beyond that, what we recognize now is we can be as incredibly successful on that. You know, we can be um, successful each and every day. But when it comes down to it, you know, the city government of New York serves the people of New York. And um, we need to think very uh, uh, diligently about, you know, what that sacred duty means. And we've made a decision with the, you know, NYC Secure Initiative 
that you know the the safety of each New Yorker is is an essential service, and when it comes down to it, safety um, uh, is an essential service. It's not a luxury, so we need to do things for each and every New Yorker to keep them safe as they navigate the, their digital life. Jeff, it's a great overview, and you touched upon some very, very important themes, one of which is the essential role of government, and uh, which we have, I think we always uh, sometimes take these things for granted, but one of the essential roles of government from the beginning of our country has been the protection of citizens from a wide variety of, of threats, uh, some of which are physical, some of which now have morphed into digital. And first, the fact that New York City has become proactive in this space and has not sort of left it to the citizens of the enterprises on their own to begin to manage this is, is a very, very significant milestone, I think, in terms of the thinking of the role of government and what needs to be done. The second theme is obviously the interconnectivity of this risk. Um, and while enterprises and all your individual families are spending a lot of money uh, to try to safeguard their homes, their businesses, their people, the fact of the matter is uh, protection is only as good as, we'll call it, the collective effort. And what I would also argue is uh, individual enterprises can feel safe and secure, but as we witnessed in places such as Atlanta, but also Denver and Baltimore and, and the threat environment that Homeland Security is currently warning us about is that we are all connected here. Uh, there is a uh, somewhat iconic photograph of Goldman Sachs uh, post um, Hurricane Sandy where the lights are on, but the bottom third of Manhattan is dark. And notwithstanding the resiliency and the planning that Goldman had, uh, there were still many clients and employees who couldn't get to work and couldn't function. So as you think about the interconnectivity of, of the risk and you think about what I'll refer to as your leadership role in providing security in this new front, how do you begin to unpack the mission and the resources and I'll argue the necessary collaboration that is required here? Okay. So um, those are two very important questions and I'll start first with um, really what I put in a bucket of how New York City is honoring its social contract with New Yorkers and then what led us to that decision. I think it, it was a very bold decision to approach um, cybersecurity for the public with like technical tactics. So let me unpack that a little bit. Uh, the government, whether that be you know, local, state, or federal, is you know, has an incredible amount of heightened awareness around cybersecurity as an issue. For many, many years, we've seen like, great efforts um, be put forth by governments uh, to help guide the industry, whether that be from, you know, uh, putting forth standards, best practices. There are, you know, regulations when it comes to expectations upon enterprises and other, um, you know, and, and other organizations on how uh, uh, on how to do the right thing by the information that's entrusted to them by the public. So there are a number of things that are out there, um, but New York has taken a bit of a different, different approach. But what we're doing is specifically choosing to put technology at the forefront of our approach. The way I would break that down 
is we've recognized, again, to say, what is the government role here? We think the government does have a role um, uh, in this space. You know, if we take it as a safety issue, we do so many things that we're so proud of uh, on behalf of New Yorkers each and every day to keep them safe in their physical life. So we are saying, because New Yorkers depend so much on the safety of their digital life each and every day, like, that safety obligation applies. Okay. What we recognize is, again, to, to, when it comes to, um, there are technologies across our city provided by agencies that enable services. Those things New York City Cyber Command must defend. Okay, that's our enterprise mission. But if we cannot put on the streets an ability for New Yorkers themselves to avail themselves of capabilities to protect their digital lives, then our city itself holds an undue risk because the population of our city, the people we serve, are then held at risk. And uh, you know, when it comes down to it, people have all kinds of different walks of life. And one of the things that this administration, uh, I'm incredibly proud to work for this administration because you know they've recognized that the internet is an essential you know means for anyone within these five boroughs, an essential sort of highway to achieving the things that that person wants to achieve in their life. Uh, so there's all there's some great initiatives here in our city to bring connectivity, free connectivity to all five boroughs, no matter where you are, um, and like that underlying principle informs this like this NYC Secure Initiative too, because we think it doesn't matter if you work on the top floor of the tallest biz business in the city, if you work in the fine restaurants, if you're, you know, a civil servant who, who takes home, you know, uh, takes home to their wife each, uh, and family or spouse and family each and every day, uh, you know, uh, a paycheck, et cetera. We think no matter where you are within the economic ecosystem of New York City, a safety measure should apply to you. So you now that's another underpinning is like the, the safety isn't a luxury. You know, it's an essential service. It shouldn't matter uh, how much money you have or how little um, or where you are when your walk of life with city owes you something in the space. So like that's that's our that's our approach to the interconnectivity. That and there's some other things we're doing you know, on behalf of New York City Cyber Command with you know partners in the private sector here in our city to recognize, identify the gaps in our overall security as a city and work towards, you know, narrowing those gaps as well. So Jeff, a uh, terrific overview. Uh, I, I want to slice and dice. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot there. There are a lot of very, very important themes here. Yeah. Um, number one is in the face of cybersecurity threats, which um, you and I have spoken about this and, and maybe just for the benefit of the audience, a good way to think about this is that the actors who are behind these threats and the types of schemes that they're undertaking are actually very familiar. It goes back to biblical times, okay? It's theft, it's fraud, it's espionage, it's uh, a certain amount of destruction, etc. And it's ransom, extortion. Uh, it's just with the new portals and our new dependencies on digital connectivity, uh, the efforts can scale and they can accelerate that much faster. And of course, they can be conducted remotely. Somebody doesn't have to actually be on our shores in order to engage in these activities. Um, the other aspect, too, is uh, these are uh, low-risk, high-reward activities where very few people to date have been prosecuted. 
So the safety and the security effort here that you're undertaking is against a very, very different paradigm uh, than what people, you know, at least historically have dealt with in terms of security. The other theme that I'm, I'm very mindful of that has come up is that individuals cannot protect themselves alone, even in small groups. And when I say individuals, I don't mean a, a solitary individual. I mean a person, but also a family, an enterprise, even the most sophisticated institution uh, requires help and requires, we'll call it, concert of action. And as you've thought about NYC Secure, uh, you've not only thought about giving people something that they need, which is not just, you know, threat, threat warnings and not knowing what to do about it, but you're actually giving people a very um, usable solution. That's what you've thought about, providing them with simplicity in terms of something they can do, and also balancing some of the, we'll call it the concerns, and I, and I commend you again for being proactive, because as we've seen recently with the hearings involving Facebook, but you know it's a recurring issue, and we see European regulations addressing this as well, but you very proactively have thought about what can we do to protect the citizens of New York in an increasingly uh, vital utility that they must have and must have access to, to offer a simplified uh, solution that may not be a silver bullet, but certainly enhances security, and yet address what they also care about and what we care about, you know, the government, which is protection of privacy and data and not offering uh, what I refer to as uh, there's an expression that if something is offered for free, you are the product. And you seem to have turned that on its head. Yeah, very much so. And, and said, you are not the product, okay? You are our constituents and you are our clients and you are our citizens. And what we are offering here for free is meant to be owned by you, benefited by you, and not to be taken advantage in any way. Is that a fair summary of sort of as we think about NYC secure? Yeah, very much. It's an exceptionally accurate summary. There are, you know, it goes back to really the underpinnings of the policy. You know, there are things that we can do in the security space that scale. And all the things that the city will choose to do will respect the pub public's privacy. Part of that, too, is choosing the right partners on the journey. Um, on the Wi-Fi space, we're working with a not-for-profit called the Global Cyber Alliance that has a, you know, a great mantra. Their mantra is to, have, to, to build technical solutions that scale globally and they have, you know, then have respect for privacy. And I think that that's, that aligns very much with our vision. They, this past November, debuted um, a, uh, an effort called Quad9, which is a, uh, the technology is really in the bucket of DNS security. And what that technology does is, is, is kind of very simple but elegant. You know, when your computer wants to connect to the internet, it has to look for an address. Um, the Quad9 technology has an address book that is loaded with all the bad, the bad things, all the sites there that are only there, that are only there to victimize your device, you know, steal your credentials, drop malware on your device, only those things. Um, and it'll, you know, stop your computer from uh, being victimized. It does not take data off your computer. It does not send data to some place for it to be analyzed forever and held forever. 
Um, what it really does is only it doesn't keep like it does it doesn't block things based on people's like browsing like habits or what they you know what they want to go to. It only is there to stop the stuff that's criminal, uh, nothing else. So I I think that's it's choosing partners that that have aligned like like beliefs so to speak, and then taking very like deliberate steps and so pivoting to the app space, you know, at the code level, it needs to be provable that this app only does the thing that we say it does and nothing more. And uh, that, that is like a specific intent for us um, and how it's going to be built. And the neat thing when it comes to technology is one, technology is at the place right now where these things are possible. And two, I think in the technology landscape, it is understood that any tactic is something that gets iterated on. Um, but if you're going to iterate correctly, you always have to go back to your principles, your sort of mission statement, so to speak, and make sure that each tactic or vision or technology you want to make available uh, you know, respects those fundamental things. And that is, so I would say that with both these two tactics, these won't be the only ways we do these things. These won't be the only things we do, but everything we do will go back to that fundamental kind of policy vision. So there's a foundational uh, premise here, which is that one of the roles of government is to provide safety and security to the citizens, not to do it at a, uh, uh, we'll call it at the cost of citizens' privacy. That's right. And the ability to maintain trust. That's right which is something that um, we have spoken about before, which is, of course, the erosion of trust in institutions, uh, in large part whether uh, this is the aftermath of the financial crisis, the aftermath of certain attacks that have occurred, whether it's the aftermath of what I'll refer to as um, you know, the climate in Washington where people no longer feel they can trust what, what's being said by, by their leaders. So again, this, this feels like it's actually one of the good developments um, in the environment. And you, you referenced uh, the fact that uh, you're working with specific partners who have an aligned mission. And I want to, uh, I think you were alluding to this, but uh, you're not only going to be offering some simplified solutions that can help protect New York City citizens but you're going to give them some sense of confidence through independent verification that the products they're using have been tested and what what you say they are doing and not doing will be will be validated and will continue will be continuously validated over time yeah so there's when i think about the way that we will approach that there's um, contractual controls and there's technical controls. We plan to avail ourselves of both. We, uh, if you think about contractual controls, we have an exceptionally strict privacy approach, a strict privacy policy that will be uh, you know, employed for any of these, these tactics. And from a technical control perspective, we will work with you know, the uh, you know, respected independent uh, aspects of the technical and legal community to, to, to assure New Yorkers that if they avail themselves of, of any of the tactics, you know, in this new, in its first iteration, you know, in the mobile space, of course, um, uh, since that's something that is in development, that it does those things that we say it does 
and does not do other things. And cannot, it's not that it doesn't do other things, it technically cannot do other things. Because that is also, you know, a concern in our space, of course, is that um, sometimes, unfortunately, good intention is subverted by, you know, by bad actors. And our intent is to build this so it technically cannot be subverted, no matter the actor. That's important. Now, granted, you know, as I said before, these are iterative steps. You know, technology changes, you know, gets updated, et cetera. And we recognize that that is something that New Yorkers will expect us to be exceptionally diligent about and be communicative about and include in the public discourse around the topic. But the public discourse allows us to also avail ourselves of what I might consider, though not a formal tactic, but another piece of the puzzle, and that's education and awareness. So as we bring the solution through various venues to the attention of New Yorkers, I think New Yorkers like, may say to themselves, hey, I want to learn about more um, when it comes to like, you know, the safety of, you know, of myself or my family or my friends or my community in this space. And you know, I think that's, that's exciting for me too because you know, when it comes down to it, you know, the machines haven't taken over. Um, maybe they will one day, but they haven't yet. So educating the user of the technology is also exceptionally important. So let's educate New Yorkers when it comes to how to safely navigate their digital life. All right, so basically, um, you are forging a very, very different relationship um, with people around digital security and safety. One part is uh, simplicity in giving them a tool they can use. So when they're at Starbucks or in their hotel, uh, they can, their option, it doesn't automatically get downloaded, but they can basically have a very uh, functioning app on their phone that will not share their data, will not mark it, will not check their search history, will not ping their geolocation, but will help them basically access public Wi-Fi in a safe and secure way. And it will also warn them if they're going to potential sites that could compromise um, their their safety and security and their their data and so what I would say is that that is at least 80% of the problem that people have and so this will be uh, terrific and then of course what you're creating is um, citizen awareness and so the ability to keep people apprised of new developments new threats and just to bring this back to um, maybe how to understand this, uh, today, coincidentally, uh, there was a report on uh, uh, NPR radio about a scam that's going on uh, where uh, individuals of Chinese descent are actually getting calls on their cell phones explaining that they're under investigation back in Hong Kong and, and China uh, for fraud, financial fraud and explaining that they have a very limited time to send a particular amount of money to a particular account. Otherwise, they're going to be prosecuted. And uh, people have fallen for this. And they, it, you know, they have sent significant sums of money. And uh, what they do know, what the law enforcement, the NYPD is responding to this, is that the calls actually do emanate from China. So these are, uh, for those people who are familiar with the West African letter scams that you used to receive in, in airmail stationery, then came on fax machines, then came by emails, and now, you know, 
things have morphed uh, into text messages and other schemes. What I would just like to suggest is that for years, the government never really protected people against those scams. Everyone kind of knew about it, but there was nothing that was that uh, was given to the people to sort of insulate them. And so as you're watching long-distance fraud that is low-risk, high-reward, where few people ever get prosecuted, and it's actually our own technology that accelerates and scales these efforts, the fact that you are providing people with a simplified tool to perhaps better protect them and manage, not eliminate all the risk, is an extraordinary innovation. I really want to underscore that because it's not being done anywhere else except in New York City. Well, let me let me let me get actually um, very pragmatic with you, okay? Which is um, when coffee shops or leading sports arenas are providing free Wi-Fi to. Um, the attendees or their customers, uh, they're giving them a benefit or service, but they're also exposing them to a wide range of risks. Yeah. And there's a lack of appreciation around that, uh, both by the enterprises who believe they're doing a service, but no less the people who are using. And notwithstanding advertisements and safety advisements, it, it's still something that people are not nearly conscious about, in large part because they're so dependent, and there are very few public establishments who can actually survive if they don't provide free Wi-Fi these days. Sure. Yeah, certainly. So what I'm, I'm almost hearing you say, Jeff, is that there's a necessary partnership here with private sector enterprises. I'm not just picking on Starbucks. I can pick up Madison Square Garden or the Hilton Hotel chains. To be aware of this service that you're providing and to prominently display its availability to its patrons, if not recommendations, that they uh, take steps. And in fact, this is part of that the needed public-private sector partnership that you've often spoken about. And so if you had an ask of the private sector as you begin to launch this service, what is that ask? So there's two pieces to it. One, uh, there's a challenge. And that challenge is for those you know, private sector partners or other people that are providing Wi-Fi to New Yorkers to take the technical steps. You know, we've made a decision to partner with Quad9, which is a free service, and it does specific you know, DNS security work that respects privacy. That's the one we think fits our vision as a city government of the privacy of New Yorkers. Our challenge is for those other entities across our city that you know, have publicly available Wi-Fi to make a similar choice. Um, and the technical steps are right there. You can go to secure.nyc, and there is, you know, a, uh, there is a link to the Quad9 service, and it's very easy to do. In fact, I've set my, you know, you don't have to do it through Wi-Fi. I've set my computers from it. I've used the same service on my router at home. You know, it's free, and uh, it offers safety. The other challenge is, um, you know, as I said earlier in our conversation, these aren't the only tactics that the city intends to debut. Uh, so I would put forth a challenge to not only the cybersecurity community, not only to the technical community, anything from a large multinational to you know the equivalent of an entrepreneurial uh, effort, you know, with, with three people in a in a garage in Brooklyn. If you if if you have a concept, a tactic that will help New Yorkers be safe and fits within the policy of NYC Secure, 
bring it to us because we want we know that these two steps are the first steps of a journey to buy down that interconnected community risk uh, that we all share and we all care about here in this great city that we live in. Um, and we think there are better, smarter, um, more wonderful things to come. And we need the, you know, we need the community to bring those things to us so that uh, we can scale it to the size of this great city, you know, over 8 million people. Um, and uh, do even more exciting things, you know, in our future. Because this is, you know, this is the start of something for our city, the start of a decision in the safety space that will have ramifications to, you know, the underpinnings of the city in years and years to come. You know, you think about all the advantage of being the center of commerce, the center of culture, all those wonderful things that make this city great, have made it great for its entire sort of lifespan. And as, as we depend more and more on technologies, we connect our city in more elegant ways, we deploy you know, smart city technologies, we will need security solutions to keep our competitive advantage. And uh, I think those solutions aren't just the, the, the purview of government, it's the purview of everybody who wants to put skin in the game. So Jeff, um, the underlying theme is uh, nobody has the silver bullet yet. Everybody must own this issue. There's no monopoly on great ideas. And uh, that you're, you've created an agile platform uh, to receive suggestions about what New York City should be doing next on behalf of the citizens and what arguably improvements can be made uh, with this app. And I commend that, uh, commend you for that effort and also obviously uh, the mayor's leadership on this very, very important topic. Uh, I'd like to end maybe with just a, a little bit of uh, a philosophical question uh, for you. And uh, there is a theme here again that we're all in this together. And by the way, even for the most sophisticated enterprises, if their employees are out there and they're accessing Wi-Fi on an open basis, they're putting at risk various not just their personal life, but the commercial enterprises. So to me, this is something that businesses should be rallying around and helping to educate uh, the citizens in terms of the availability of some of the solutions you're offering, uh, no less what the risks are. And I'm even thinking that when people buy their smartphones in New York, it would be great, and whether it's AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile or whatever, if they uh, were to make this available and make the consumer aware of this and maybe even help them download this okay so we'll talk about those next steps uh, later but there is a little bit of tension um, there are a lot of people who are opportunistic in the space who are making a lot of money who actually uh, benefit from the hair on fire moment uh, whether identity theft occurs or whatever uh, or there's a, uh, a hack or ransomware, uh, etc. And so what you're trying to do is that you're, you're sort of shifting the paradigm a little bit. And you're trying to make it easy and you're trying to take the opportunism out of this. And again, you and the mayor, and obviously your, your extraordinary team, is recognizing the role of government both in terms of protecting people but also in terms of leading a collaborative effort with the private sector. And maybe just, you know, we'll close on this. Maybe you can just talk about, as you look at what you want to accomplish over the next year in that vein, 
uh, how you would uh, begin to communicate what I'll refer to as the themes and how you're going to align the resources a bit. Sure. So, I mean, that's a very thoughtful question, David. Um, you know, you bring up some significant topics. Fundamentally, the great technology that we are bringing to bear to support the policy initiative is the product of you know blood, sweat, and tears, treasure, innovation, intelligence, ingenuity, and much of that is the has been done in the in the private space. So like the you know the capitalism instinct that has created like the hyper economy of cybersecurity has you know first incredible solutions, incredible gains, incredible defenses to work against the specific sort of criminal criminals who are, are, are conducting such terrible activities. With that said, I think it is important to consider where you have a threshold of tolerance for risk. And to a certain extent, for many, many years, um, so much activity in cybersecurity was, to your point, David, that you know that hair on fire moment where there's been a major credential theft, and that can lead to significant and concerning reputational uh, risk and damage for you know a storied enterprise. That is very important, still happening today. Uh, you know, great American companies have suffered because of that, because of IP theft to a you know, un- absolutely astonishing extent. So. Those things are very concerning, um, and many enterprises have built incredible cybersecurity programs. Today, you know, we receive, especially over the course of the last year, two years, even in the last two months, within like the domain of cybersecurity, there's all kinds of information and alerts about risks to things that we hold critical. You know, the critical infrastructure risks. So. Considering where the cyber attacks have already gone and are going, the trajectory of breaching the threshold of tolerance of risk when you have an interconnected digital community um, is very, very concerning. So as, as a community, the old way of approaching the problem that in some ways may be fed that hyperconnected economic landscape we may not be able to tolerate that anymore. We may have to say there's been an incredible amount of money generated, it's fantastic, it's part of the capitalist process, um, which is absolutely vital in New York City as a center of commerce in the entire world. With that said, we can't tolerate not having scalable connected solutions because the risk of a major sort of black swan-esque event within the digital landscape like we cannot tolerate that. So if we cannot tolerate that, then the community needs to come together and debut things at scale that can be applied underneath the concept that safety is not a luxury. It should not only depend on the power of your purse to be safe. And I think that is, to your point, you know, going to be challenging for industry. Um, but it's the right thing to do because a major event, again, is something we do not think is inevitable and we cannot tolerate. I'm going to wrap up uh, on those thoughtful comments, Jeff. And um, it shouldn't take a crisis. And what I'll 
emphasizes uh, meeting days of President Obama's administration and at least theme was picked up in the beginning months of the Trump administration. Um, there was a presidential commission on cybersecurity. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it resonated as it deserved to, but certainly one of the points was it was it's not a matter of if something is going to happen, it's just when and how bad. And that secondly, what is really needed is top-down solutions and obviously broad collaboration uh, between the public and private sector. And so I'll close with saying thank you for not waiting for a crisis. Thank you for providing people with some top-down solutions and recognizing it's not just a technical issue. There's human behavior behind this. There's geopolitical risk behind this. There's a lot of state-sponsored activity and very sophisticated means and we don't quite have the law enforcement apparatus yet to deter a lot of these actors. So you can be right a thousand times and wrong just once, and the consequences are very significant. But uh, as we've started to see in Atlanta and some of the attacks on, uh, or the attempted attacks on our power grid and other forms of infrastructure, the threats are very real. And for those of us who are old enough to remember the 9-11 Commission, and which was viewed as a uh, less a security failure and a, than a failure to connect the dots and a failure of, a, of reasonable imagination. Uh, you know, trying to avoid that moment again is obviously part of the critical mission that you and the mayor have undertaken. So uh, more to come. And in partnership with you, um, we have volunteered uh, to take in any and all suggestions and help curate that for you. So we'll be providing uh, a secure mailbox drop for people to uh, comment and uh, throw their advice in, and hopefully some of that will be useful and advance it. And this is very much a work in progress. So thank you, Jeff, for your service. Uh, Mayor's not here, but thank him and all relevant parties as well. And thank you very much. Happy to be here and happy to spread the message. Thank you.